On this edition of the podcast, world-class bowler Mitch Hupe talks about representing Canada at the World Championships in Kuwait next month, as well as making his Pan Am Games debut in Santiago, Chile in early November. Winnipeg High School Football Commissioner Jeffrey Bannon on the new look to his league. But we begin with former Olympic swimmer and soon-to-be Manitoba Sports Hall of Famer, Kelly Stefanishin. Now, we are very, very happy to uh, be joining us here on the CJOB Sports Show. Uh, I remember anchoring CJOB's coverage of the 1999 Pan Am Games, and we mentioned uh, the name of this young athlete several times over the course of our games coverage of those 17 days. Uh, and uh, we're mentioning her name again because Kelly Stefanishin is going into the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame officially uh, on November the 2nd. Uh, she joins us now from Montana. We'll find out why she's joining us from Montana. I still think it's to sneak in a cameo appearance on Yellowstone. Uh, but Kelly, uh, thanks a bunch for doing this and, and congratulations on this latest honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, an incredible honor to be inducted into the Manitoba Sport Hall of Fame, and I'm just really appreciative that my family and friends will get to be there with me. I was just going to ask, uh, you know, you're, you're in Montana right now, but uh, I, I would imagine that there's still lots of family back home here in Winnipeg? Yeah, most of the family are still in Winnipeg for sure, so it'll be a nice time to get to come and visit everyone again. I'll bet you it will be. So uh, just before we go back over uh, your great career, uh, if I can be so nosy as to inquire, why are you in Montana? <laughs> you know, it's funny where life takes you, um, and it's a funny story how I ended up here. And uh, the nutshell version is I met my husband in Las Vegas, of all places you normally don't, True story. Um, you've got two older kids here in Montana, so that's how I ended up here. What goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas, so we won't. <laughs> we, we, yeah. yeah. No, but Dave, congratulations on that. I, I mean, when you look at your resume and your career, uh, it is absolutely amazing. So uh, because your personal life has taken you to Montana, are you still involved uh, uh, in a sporting capacity of some sort? You know, I was. I was uh, coaching swimming down here for a couple of years. I'm taking a little break from that now. I've got twin boys that just started kindergarten, and it's full-day kindergarten down here, so I didn't want to take them straight from school, straight to the pool. So I'm going to take a year off from that, but hopefully I will be putting them into the swim team probably by the time they're about seven or eight years old, and I hope to get back into coaching at that point. You know, it would have made for a much juicier story if you had said, yeah, you know what, I, I, I actually do a living room scene with John Dutton in Yellowstone. <laughs> are, are you familiar with that series at all? Uh, I sure am. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I don't want to say it's completely accurate towards Montana life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's when you watch it, when you hear all the... You know, the cities, the locals talk about it, too. I mean, it's, it's cool for Montana, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, well, but this is about Kelly Stefanishin right now. So uh, I want to go back to 1999 uh, when you were swimming for Team Canada at the Pan Am Games pool and uh, had uh, some incredible success uh, uh, winning a gold medal in the 100-meter backstroke, uh, a silver in the 4 by 100 medley, and I guess completing swimming's uh, version of uh, uh, the Triple Crown, a, a bronze in the 200-meter backstroke. Was that 
Do you still have great memories of, uh, of I don't know how long it was, You the swimming competition was on seven days or something like that, but were those some of the better days of your uh, uh, swimming career, Kelly? Absolutely. I mean, nothing beats competing for your country in your hometown. And I'm so fortunate I got that experience because it's so rare that that actually happens to athletes. And it was it was an incredible experience. I was only 17 years old, so I certainly remember trying to manage a lot of pressure, um, a lot of nerves. I know in the lead up to lead up to the games, my grandma was cutting out every newspaper clipping and showing me everyone. And I was like, I got it, grandma. Like I, I know what's coming up. I know what this means. So to be able to go to those games in my hometown, in the pool that I had my very first swimming competition in, and then actually have the best race of my life on the day. I mean, as an athlete, you can't ask for anything else. So it was incredible memories and incredible experience um, standing on top of the podium, getting to Hero Canada with all my family and friends in the stand. So I can say, though, the moment that race was over and I looked up and saw the number one beside my name in that 100-meter backstroke, I think I was more relieved before I was excited. Uh, but it's great, great memories. Absolutely. Uh, Kelly Stefanishin is joining us. Uh, she is part of the induction class of 2023 for the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. In our next segment, uh, we will talk about the other inductees and let you know how you can get tickets uh, before the Stefanishin family uh, scoop them all up. Uh, but, uh, you know, Kelly, you uh, also had uh, multiple appearances in the Commonwealth Games uh, and uh, medaled at, uh, later on in 99 at the uh, short course Worlds in Hong Kong, uh, but would it be safe to say, because let's face it, for any amateur athlete or now professional, uh, the ultimate goal is to get to the Olympics. So 2000 in Sydney, would that be kind of the uh, uh, the, the uh, apex, if you will, of, of uh, the career of Kelly Stefanishin? Absolutely. The Olympics was, it was always my goal from the moment I started swimming. The reason I started swimming after watching Mark Curie win at the 1992 Olympics. Um, so actually getting to make the team getting to be there to represent Canada and then having another great swim meet building on from those 99 Pan Am games and making it to the final of the 200 meter backstroke. It was, it was just an incredible experience. Um, I only got to go to one Olympics in the end, so it was really special for me. And I was so lucky even just to be so young, just a teenager to essentially accomplish all those goals at such a young age. So as I look back now, um, with this Hall of Fame and trying to look through some memorabilia and old pictures and stuff, it's bringing up a lot of great memories. I bet you, yeah. Sixth in the four by one hundred or the four hundred free relay, rather, and eighth in the two hundred backstroke, like top ten in the world. That uh, uh, is just simply amazing. Uh, three appearances uh, uh, at the World Swimming Championships, and you know, Kelly, I, I don't know if you remember exactly, but when you were at the peak of your career. Uh, because I went back and t- took a look at some of the times from a- around that era, but w- what was the time that you were shooting for, say, uh, in the 100-meter backstroke? Uh, my best time I finished with was a 102.1. I wanted to get down to that 101 mark, and a minute was where the Olympic medals were at that time. So in the end, I don't think I ever, as well as I did and as proud as I am of my career, I don't think I ever hit it to the point where I actually had my best time on my best race. I think. Probably in that sense, there was still more in me, but it's so hard to nail that as an athlete and do everything perfectly on the day when it counts. So I certainly don't lose any sleep over it anymore, and I'm definitely not making a comeback, Uh, (laughs) but I'm I'm proud of what I was able to achieve at the time. Um, And 
it's just it's really nice. I'm really happy that um, I'm going to get to I guess to celebrate this again almost 25 years later at the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, and, and the reason I bring that up, Kelly, is uh, you know. <laughs> It is amazing how sports has progressed uh, over the years. Like you were mentioning, you know, a minute was kind of the, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, the line that you wanted to cross in that 100-meter backstroke. Now it's under 58 seconds. And people might say, well, that's only two seconds. But that's like weeks and months in, in, in swimming. Uh, I, I mean, of the uh, training techniques, of some of the other things just improved so well. You had mentioned you were coaching swimming for a while. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the sports science has changed. So obviously water hasn't changed. The technology of pools has changed to make them faster. There's been new equipment that's come in, particularly in backstroke on the starts now. They have ledges to help athletes not slip. And that was something that we never had. And we really just crossed our fingers and hoped for the best every time. Um, so, But the sports science, um, the technology that they have to analyze the races, the video equipment, the recovery, everything, that's contributing certainly to these incredible times now. Um, where the world stage and where something has gone as a sport. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, here at home, uh, Kelly Stefanishin had an incredible career as a member uh, of the UBC swim team. Uh, in the five years, Kelly won 39 medals from 2001 through 06, 18 of them gold. Uh, this will not be your first uh, Hall of Fame. Of course, you went into the UBC Sports Hall of Fame in, in 2015. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Kelly, is what you've done in your post-athletic career. Like, you've worked in venues at the 2012 Olympics uh, in uh, uh, London. You also worked at venues in your, I would say, adopted hometown of Vancouver in, in, in 2010. Uh, you know, it, it's how did you get involved uh, at that level and, and it's such prestigious events? Yeah, I think ultimately I got lucky that I was attending UBC. I was in Vancouver when they were selected for the 2010 Olympic Games. And I went with a friend to that announcement that morning and we turned to each other and we were like, we're going to get jobs in a few years when we're done competing. And, and that was the plan. That was always my target is to, once I was done, move into the other side. So I, I still love sports and it, it's really neat to then go to the other side of the organizing committee and actually plan the events and get to use your athletic expertise per se to make it a better event. So um, I was really fortunate. I got to work on some really cool projects, some really major events like two Olympics and a Pan Am Games in Toronto and a world championships as well. And it's very much kind of like what I used to do for swimming. It was a lot of training. You get to have your events and then you're done. So it's the same kind of thing in the event world. A lot of planning, have your event, take a break. And I love that. So now you're going to freelance with the speech on November the 2nd, or are you starting to take notes on that? You know, if there's one thing I get from my mom, I pro I'm really good at procrastinating things like speeches, so I'll probably come up with it maybe the night before. I work well under pressure. I guess that's why I was a good athlete. So right now we're two months away or six weeks. I don't feel the pressure yet, but come November 1st, I will, and maybe that's when I'll put it together. Hey, well, Kelly, thanks a bunch for doing this. I really appreciate it. And, and again, uh, uh, heartfelt and sincere congratulations on this prestigious honor to go into a, a Sports Hall of Fame in your home province. Uh, uh, we'll certainly look forward to seeing you here uh, in early November. Thank you so much for having me tonight. You bet. Kelly Stefanishin. And I, I guess we should say Kelly Stefanishin heard him, if we're going to be uh, 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 properly uh, correct here. Uh, uh, outstanding swimmer. Uh, who represented this city, this province, and this country so well. 
We now welcome into the show a uh, gentleman who has represented this country proudly for a number of years in the sport of 10-pin bowling. And he's going to continue to do so at not one but two events uh, over the next six weeks or so. Mitch Hoopé joins us. Mitch, thanks a bunch for doing this. I, I, I can't imagine how incredibly busy you are right now. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, some uh, some busy weeks coming up here. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Well, let's talk first about uh, uh, going to Kuwait next month uh, for the uh, IBF uh, World Championships. And, uh, of course, you're going to have some company with two other Winnipeggers on that team. But uh, uh, is this an event that you've competed in uh, previously, Mitch? Yes, uh, I've bowled in the World Championships. I believe this would be my third time, uh, maybe fourth, actually. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, no, like you said, it's cool to have a couple more Winnipeggers uh, going alongside myself. Typically, uh, typically, I'm the only one, the only Manitoba that travels to these events. So to have not only another one, but a second one uh, is pretty neat. Yeah, we had Marissa Naylor on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she's going to be part of the uh, 10-member contingent for Team Canada, uh, and uh, as well as Austin Ducharme. So uh, tell us a little bit, though, uh, Mitch, if you will, because you have a couple of these under your belt. Uh, just exactly how the competition plays out. How many different events are you involved in, and uh, how many days uh, is this uh, International World Championship held over? Sure. So, unfortunately, bowling is not an Olympic-recognized uh, sport. So, this is kind of our Olympic, if you will. This is where um, multiple countries will send their best players um, to compete, what I guess we would see as our Olympic Games. Um, and uh, it takes place over 14 days. And at this event uh, in particular, we are bowling uh, singles, doubles, trios, and teams. Okay, and how has Canada done at this event before? They've been pretty successful, haven't they? As of recently, yeah, we had a, a pretty large coaching change, um, I want to say about seven or eight years ago, and it really shifted um, the talent in Canada. And just, I think, our mindset going to these events, I think Canada, uh, at least maybe going back 10 plus years, was more of a participating country, I want to say, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it's just since that sh- uh, coaching change, um, we've been way more competitive. We've been medal contenders in almost every event. Uh, yeah, for the last I want to say about ten years. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations on that for sure. Uh, you know, the the one thing that um, I saw going on the page just to see, uh, you know, where uh, where the different events were going to be taking place and that sort of thing. Uh, has anything been clarified as far as the U.S. Attending or not attending this event? Because the last article I wrote, they were apparently there was some uh, issue for them with not enough countries competing. But uh, have more decided to come on board since then? I think so. I don't. I think the U.S. is pretty strong on their stance. Um, once they made the decision to not attend, I think. Again, I don't really know. Obviously, those decisions are made behind closed doors. But I think they were under the impression that less countries were going to attend, so they didn't see a benefit in attending the, the tournament, which is kind of unfortunate because the U.S. is such a strong um, country and the strong competitors that they they almost set a precedent for the uh, for the other countries. So to not have them go is it's unfortunate, but. Um, Hey, I'm not complaining. No, I guess not. Uh, Mitch Hupe of Winnipeg is our guest. He's going to be representing Canada uh, along with Marissa Naylor and Austin Ducharme. They're three of the 10-member Team Canada. Boy, can we call Winnipeg a bowling hotbed then, Mitch? Yeah, kind of cool. You know, we're 
a smaller pool, I want to say. There's not a lot of bowlers in Winnipeg, but we're we're strong. We've had um, a, a lot of bowlers who have represented in Canada. Um, just considering our size, you know, we're not maybe as populated in terms of bowling uh, as you would see in Ontario or Quebec or British Columbia. But um, the ones who do succeed out of Winnipeg, uh, yeah, they've represented Canada pretty well. Well, I'll tell you, uh, certainly uh, you would, uh, I think, be categorized as one of the finest, if not the finest, bowling product uh, to ever come out of this city and province. Tell us a little bit, Mechupe, about how it all started. Like, uh, how old, where did you begin bowling? Uh, who encouraged you? How old were you when you, you know, the light went on and you said, hey, I'm really good at this. This is something I'm going to do into my adult years. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, so when I was, six or seven my parents just kind of threw me into to bowling just as a let's put them into multiple sports just to see what sticks see what he likes um they i think they bowled maybe for one year when they were kids um nothing more than just once a week recreationally with their friends um my dad actually is from st boniface so he bowled out of leverandry and my mom was from elmwood so she bowled out of chateau lane um, <laughs> in, yeah. in winnipeg but, um, yeah, so they threw me in there at uh, like six or seven years old, and it just, uh, I don't know what it is. It just it stuck. And um, since then, I've competed for Manitoba. Well, I started representing Manitoba at the age of 12, I think. Um, and then I made my first youth Canadian team at the age of uh, 16. And then from there, I went to college in the U.S., further my education. And uh, if I wanted to further my bowling, I really had to take it elsewhere outside of Winnipeg, unfortunately. So I, I went to Wichita State in Kansas for uh, four years and learned what I could. Okay, and, uh, hold, hold, the, hold, yeah, hold the fort there. So how does a kid from Winnipeg, whether he's at La Verandre or, or Chateau Lanes, find his way to Wichita State? Uh, that is one thing that's always intrigued me because you know, it's the same thing for the golfers that come out of our province. They wind up in Louisiana and Tennessee. and then How did you find your sure. way there, Mitch? Uh, Wichita State's just been a, a powerhouse um, in, the, in the bowling scene in terms of collegiate bowling. So... Um, luckily, there's actually a couple other Canadians that went there, so I was able to almost ride their coattails and get just some, just some insight on their behalf on how it would work with the immigration and the visas and all that for, uh, for for myself going down there. So, um, yeah, it ended up being a little bit of a no-brainer just because they're such a strong school. Plus, I had some ties there. Uh, it just made sense. Yeah, Francois Lavoie, I guess, would be one of the ties that uh, you're making reference to, who has been one of uh, this country's outstanding bowlers. We'll talk about him in a minute, but uh, you mentioned uh, the, the success at Wichita State, won the Intercollegiate Team Championship uh, in 2015, and then eventually you made your way to the pro ranks. Now, is that the, the Portland Lumberjacks? Is that Portland, Oregon, or Portland, Maine? That's Portland, Maine, funny enough, yeah. Uh, so, okay, <laughs> next question. How does a guy get from Wichita State to Portland, Maine? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I want to say I looked myself into there. I don't, I don't really know. You know, I was, I was definitely new on tour, and um, the manager at the time, Tim Mack, he just uh, he saw something in me, I think, at, at some early stages. I saw him. He was um, the manager for the Portland Lumberjacks. He was coaching the, the team in Thailand when we were at the World Championships in Hong Kong, and at that event, I actually won the gold medal in the Masters event, which, um, yeah, I guess it's some competitiveness or something that he saw in me at that tournament, and uh, he thought it would translate well to the PBA League, that's our uh, PBA event, our team events, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he took a chance on me. 
Well, it paid off. You won the Elias Cup the following year. Now, Mitch just mentioned he won the Men's Master Gold in 2018 at the Worlds. Then the following year, wins the Elias Cup Championship with the Portland Lumberjacks in the Professional Bowlers Association. And we fast forward to this year, Mitch, and and I'm not sure when it was, but uh, you won the PBA Doubles Championship. So congratulations on that as well. Thank you. Yeah, that's a big one. You know, the, uh, unfortunately, PBA is a short season. It's only three or four months long, and we only get about a dozen events. So um, to become a new titleist is tough. You know, you only have so many opportunities every year, and um, sometimes the, the skill gap can be pretty large. So, yeah, no, to get the, to get a title under, uh, under my belt, uh, it's pretty phenomenal and feels uh, pretty amazing. Yep, so great momentum, uh, certainly going into Kuwait, uh, starting October 3rd uh, for the IBF World Championships. And you will barely get over the jet lag, Mitch, uh, when you have to prepare for your first ever Pan Am Games uh, in Santiago, Chile. And we mentioned the name Francois Lavoie, uh, who is also a product of Wichita State. You're going to team up with him uh, to represent Canada at the Pan Am at Pan Ams rather now he's been there a few times but this is your first that's got to be tremendously exciting. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that we don't have an Olympics in bowling, unfortunately, but um, I think the Pan Am Games is probably as close as we come in terms of um, organization. Um, it's, it's obviously a, a, an organization ran by the Olympics, so yeah, it would be awesome to to bowl in an event like that and to be. Uh, you know, as an Olympian almost at, at, uh, at that tournament. And again, you're not going to be the only Manitoban, which goes back to my theory that Winnipeg's a bowling hotbed because, and I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but your coach at the Pan Am Games will be Winnipegger Earl Sobotkowicz. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've known Earl for a long time, funnily enough. Um, obviously, he's, he's been a coach in Winnipeg for a long time since I was a youth, so we've... Uh, yeah, we've got a, uh, just a lot of history together and a friendship, which is uh, which is great. Did I get the last name even remotely close, Mitch? <laughs> uh, I think it's pronounced Sobakevich, but hey, close enough. I won't tell him. No, yeah, uh, please don't. Hey, well, I'll tell you what, Mitch, uh, as I mentioned off the top, uh, I know it's a busy time for you as you prepare for the Worlds and then uh, the Pan Am, so I really want to thank you for jumping on uh, and joining us, and uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll certainly be following how uh, yourself and Austin and Marissa do uh, in Kuwait starting October the 3rd. Uh, all, all the best in uh, uh, your successful venture for Canada. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. Mitch Hupe, who uh, has uh, been on the Pro Bowlers Association uh, in the league and tour uh, since uh, 2019 with Portland, and uh, as mentioned, has represented Canada uh, multiple times at the IBF Worlds, will make his Pan Am debut uh, all in the span of about six weeks or so. Well, week number two, if it's not already in the books for the Winnipeg High School Football League, it has to be awful close. The final game of the night was being played at 6 o'clock, and we are now joined by the commissioner of the Winnipeg High School Football League, Jeffrey Bannon. And Commissioner Bannon, are you happy with the way things have gone for the first two weeks of 2023? Yeah, even Kelly. Yeah, it's like an exciting start to the season with the different format of the league we have. You're starting to see some rivalry games, and uh, each week and each game, when I get the scores, uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm not betting on these scores because sometimes they surprise you. And uh, the 
level of athletic talent is rising each year. Oh, there is no doubt about that. And uh, yeah. you just made mention of the uh, the new alignment of the league. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But uh, is that Sturgeon Heights at St. Paul's game? Is that wrapped up? Can we say officially uh, two weeks yeah, are now in the books? Yeah, I would say I think it was 39 nothing for St. Paul's. Obviously, St. Paul's a juggernaut. And actually, I was talking to Wade Miller, who was at the game, and he said Sturgeon was very competitive. Just, you know, some, sometimes uh, some schools are at different levels. But uh, it was a good game uh, despite the score. But week two is all done and wrapped up and ready to go. Yeah, and, and th- besides the new alignment, something else you've gone to as well as a new website, and that seems to be working out really well for you. Yeah, and, and Kelly, I think we, we have to, you know, we're a little behind in technology, uh, obviously, in the league. And with the students being so active on social media, wanting their stats, like, I get, I get messages daily, hey, Commissioner, can you update my stats? And I'm like, I wish I could because I don't have access. But, you know, we have, people that do, we have people that do that. But it's really the information technology. And, you know, it's not just people in Winnipeg looking at the stats, but it's, you know, new sports uh, scouts across the country looking at stats. So it's very important that we have this up to date and we have a website that can uh, – Tell our true story. Well, I'll tell you what, 39-0 St. Paul's Crusaders over the Sturgeon Heights Huskies is right there on the uh, new Winnipeg High School Football League website. All the scores from week two are are right up to date. So, uh, Commissioner, uh, you you mentioned that uh, you have the new alignment, and I I think this is just a, a, well, if I can use a a term from another sport, a home run, a touchdown uh, with the two-point convert for the Winnipeg High School Football League. What was the genesis of that? What, uh, you know, how did the discussion start with uh, you know coming up with the four different divisions and geographical divisions as well well so what we wanted to go to the 4a and 3a that's what basically the manitoba high school athletic association does with volleyball and basketball and to be in a line because it was really difficult for you know you're playing one sport in one school in one division and then another sport in another so just to align like schools and then next week actually if you look at the schedule kelly a lot of rivalry games. So you have West K playing, you know, Garden City. You have Maples playing Sisler. You know, you have Sturgeon playing John Taylor. So it really helps to build those rivalries. And heaven forbid, if you look at Transcona, River East, Murdoch, Miles, Elmwood, they, we want these division rivalries to build. You know, it's just like the Banjo Bowl and Labor Day Classic. Those are the two best games of the year. So why can't we create that here? In the Winnipeg High School football league. And so with those rivalry games, Jeffrey, are, are you yes. hearing from the teams uh, uh, or from the schools that, yeah, you know what, we're getting kids uh, and, and parents and, and more football fans out to these games. What, who knows? Maybe it's alumni. Yes, it's also, it's now, it's also what I love when I hear this. So, for example, if, if you know, KE is playing Elmwood, it's Elmwood week, you know, where, you know, having spent time in the CFL, it's, you know, Saskatchewan week. It's, yeah. So they're, they're really starting to take that in. The best thing, it's a, it's a dual-edged sword. So when you have, for example, when you have, say, you know, Garden City play West K or Garden City playing Sisler, a lot of fans, a lot of people come attend. Also comes, you know, different type of, you know, uh, obstacles for us. We have to bring security in. We have to do this. But, you know, when you get three, four, sometimes 500 people, say, at Nomad's Field for a Sisler-Garden City game that supports the Never Alone Foundation, that's a home run all across the board. And the more we can do that, and, you know, even when Steinbach plays, you know, Springfield, it's, you know, the geographical rivalries. And, yeah. you know, these kids will nine times out of ten play together in, you know, the Manitoba Minor Football League. 
and now they play at the next level. So it, it really, we're just trying to copy what the CFL does, and it, it, you know, it's successful there, so why can't it be done here? So uh, you mentioned the 4A and the 3A, 22 teams in the 4A, uh, and then nine in, in AAA, if you will, uh, three of them uh, 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 rural teams or, or almost uh, out-of-province teams with Beaver Bray, yeah. Fort Francis, and Dryden, and then you've got the six city teams. But let's, let's talk about the 4A first. Uh, are you happy, uh, A, with the, the 22 teams playing at that level, and are you also happy with, you know, I mean, we see 39 to nothing. People would say, oh, wow, but as you mentioned, Wade Miller said Sturgeon Heights was uh, competitive for a while. But for the most part, are you happy with the competitive nature of the league? Because uh, I don't have to tell you, Commissioner, that's the success of any league is making sure the top isn't too widespread from the bottom. Yeah, and Kelly, I think we'll have a really clear picture on that after week four, after we play the two uh, rivalry games. We'll see yeah. where everyone sits. Like, I, you know, today I look at the scores and I'm like, you know, there's some disparity. But, you know, to me, it's, if it was a safe game, competitive game, sometimes, you know, I've, been, I've had years where I've been 0-8 and I've had years where I've been 8-0 as, as a coach. So those things after week four, I think we'll really sit down, we'll reevaluate. And if we need to make changes, we will. But I think the ability to have rivalries and build upon that, and like you said before, I may want to play as a young athlete. I want to play football so I can play against the rivalry school. I can be part of homecoming. You know, I can wear the jacket. I can be part of, you know, a legacy and part of alumni. Because when we go to games and you see the, the stands full of alumni, it means something, right? So yeah. it's, uh, and it carries all the way up in the Bisons, the Bombers, the provincial programs, you name it. So it's, uh, we think we're on the right track here. Absolutely. Well, it, I tell you, I can hear the excitement in your voice, Jeffrey, and uh, yep. uh, music to the ears for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll check back in with you a little later on in the season, but it sounds like uh, uh, things are going exactly uh, how you would want them to here in the early part of 2023. My crystal ball is coming to fruition, sir. Yes, it is. Okay. Can you get me lottery tickets for tomorrow then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I, uh, I picked Toronto to win today, and the Alouettes are beating them, and the Blue Jays are not helping my pro line, so who knows? So there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the commissioner of the Winnipeg High School Football League, Jeffrey Bannon, joining us here on the Sports Show. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all that they should. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but